Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast presented in the Top Football Club, Top FCTV channel, and the Football Tonight Podcast. We are recording this on Sunday, December 10th, 10th, 10th. I am your host, Laurent Cortines. In this episode, lots has happened in the two match weeks have gone by. So we had midweek games, and then we had this weekend's games. We're going to talk about Aston Villa having their best week ever. Manchester United being back at square one. City's collapse. I know you guys want my takes. And we're going to go through every team's two results just to see what they mean. Okay, but before we do that, please like, share, and subscribe. Like, share, and subscribe. Chris does amazing work. He's recruiting all the best takesmen around the world. We've got lots of Spurs guys. Tomorrow's show, I'm sure, will be incredible. So subscribe now. Then you'll be able to join us on Monday when we go live again. Chris just gives me a platform to do my own show because I'm a showman and I like to do my show. Okay. Uh, first, I know you guys want me to talk about Manchester City because um, I'm the city correspondent. I'm here at Main Road. Uh, it has been a difficult season for Manchester City this season, and I don't think any City fan is hurting particularly. I mean, it's it's disappointing how City have played. It's concerning how City have played. It's a bit of a, you know, it's a it's more than a wobble at this point. Um, City just aren't scoring the way they did, aren't defending like they did, and they're just generally having a hard time being in this context of where this season is. And you can see here in these two results, the Aston Villa result, City were completely, thoroughly, 100% dominated. And I can say this with whole cloth and clarity. I'm going to look right into the camera. This was the worst performance City has had under Pep Guardiola, and they were beaten more thoroughly than in any game I have ever seen in the seven years under Pep. There's not a game that was close. Even the Liverpool thrashings when we went to Anfield were flying high and got punched in the mouth. It was not like this. We always created chances. We would lose 5-2. We would keep going and keep trying to score. In this game, there were two shots on target in the 10th minute by Holland that we almost scored, and then that was it. Uh, it was a complete and utter dominant performance, and I can't tell you how worrying it was. It was one of the worst. I mean, this is what City do to people. 22 shots, two and two. This doesn't happen to City. City were outcityed by uh, Aston Villa. Unai Emery deserves all the credit. This was a shocking performance where uh, this was the first time I was like, oh my God, City are doomed. And then this other week's game, a must win versus Luton where we went down a goal. And the only thing being uh, here was that City were able to get out of it and pull the game back in the second half and an amazing strike by Silva and Jack Grealish. But again, see, this is more like it, 18 and six. But this is against Luton, a relegated team, the Hatters. I mean, look how cute their little logo is. So this is where City have been. Uh, it has been a trying season. It has been a difficult season. But I can't tell you and sit here and say, I'm hurting. I can't sit here and say, I'm dying inside. Um, I talk to our, our WhatsApp group all the time, specifically this Wiki Bum Time WhatsApp group versus the Top FC uh, WhatsApp group. 
feel free to join. Let us know. Let Chris know. You can join anytime. We have good conversations. We have fighty, tense conversations. And John Santana, my dearest friend, who is um, a United fan, wants City to get the same treatment that United get. Oh, the reality's gone. Oh, we're in a crisis. Oh, everything's falling apart. And I just can't, as a City fan, do that. We have to remember, less than eight months ago, City won the treble. The most difficult thing you can do. And so I literally sit there in our hot takes and attacks and everyone's like, oh, City, City, City. I'm like, I won the treble. I don't care. And if I don't, and the reason why I say that, and I think it's important, if I don't care, what are the players feeling like? I'm the supporter. I have no control over what's happening. I don't, you know, I'm not on the pitch training. The players just being that fraction, that 2% off of where they should be has got to be affecting them before we go into any of the other items around the team. Before we go into, oh, Rodri was missing. He missed a game. Oh, De Bruyne's been out. Oh, Doku's been out. He was our main creator. Oh, Holland was out for this game. Aside from that, before we even talk about any of the players or any of the tactics or anything that goes on with City, it's all about mentality, and they're finding a hard time getting to their levels. So do I expect them to win the league this season? No, frankly, I don't. And if you remember and you track back to August, I have said at the start of the season, I thought Arsenal would win this league, not because Arsenal are world beaters, not because they are incredible, but because they're going through the process. They've bought the crack player in Rice, and they are the uh, champions to be. They are next in line. They're the ones on the on the journey, the way Liverpool won in 17 and 18. That journey that you have to go on, where you push, you have your moment, you get punched in the mouth. This isn't a Luis... Arsenal were not in a Luis Suarez situation where their best player was this worldly crack player who then got pulled out. Arsenal didn't sell any of their best players. Saka's still there. It's not like Saka and Martinelli were sold off along with Odegaard and they're trying to go again, which is what happened in Liverpool. I think Liverpool in 14-15, in had they gone again with Suarez, they would have won the title under Rodgers. But they had to rebuild. And in this case, you know, Arsenal have built, they're taking the next step, integrating Rice, changing the way they play, being more defensive. You know, that whole process is happening for them. So City, I think, rightly or wrongly, are where they are. Uh, and this was... Uh, a terrible, terrible week for Manchester City. And I figured everyone wanted my take on where I am. I'm fine. I'm doing okay. Everything is uh, is fine with me. We're fine here. How are you? Uh, that's, that's where I am with City. I think the next story I really want to go to is just the Man United story. It is a non-stop uh, story that has to continue. Uh, I don't want to be see about it, but United coming off uh, a really good performance midweek against Chelsea, where on my birthday, they played their one of their better games of the season. 28 shots, nine on target, you know, against Chelsea at home. I mean, just a strong performance where the narrative had shifted. And we said, oh, maybe we've seen something here, but not so fast, my friend. If you drill into this performance and watch it, Chelsea were awful. Um, and I really, sorry, not, an awful in a way that allowed United to be its best. 
They didn't track back. They didn't work hard. They didn't do anything that that allowed them to prevent uh, City from uh, United from doing the things they wanted to do. So it was a bit of a false dawn. Uh, and now we've seen Chelsea are just completely inconsistent. I give credit to United. They won these games. They did put these points on the board. I think the difficult thing for United fans and what's so hard for them right now is that you know, let's look at the matches. They 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 have been putting together a run of games that you'd say, oh, we're winning games. We're putting them on the board. We're doing it. We're ha- making it happen. You know, but it feels like, you know, every time they, 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 but their wins are, I mean, let's just look at it. Let's, let's really go through it, right? Brighton was a tough, was a bad loss, but, and then our, it was Arsenal, then Brighton. That was the first crisis in the year. Then they got the ship righted. Oh, they beat Burnley in the league. They beat Crystal Palace. Okay, good. Then they lost to Crystal Palace, 1-0. They just can't score. They beat Brentford on the two McTominay goals. Good for them. They beat Sheffield, even better. They're taking the teams in front of them, doing what they're supposed to do. They beat Copenhagen. This was the Onana game. City wiped the floor with them. Crisis averted. Then the Newcastle game, another crisis. Then they get healthy again. They're kind of like a vampire club. They're kind of living off the scraps of other teams. Oh, isn't that great? They beat Fulham. They get things off the schneid. They beat Luton. They get themselves back together. Yes, these aren't great performances, but they are clean sheets. They are wins. They're not great. They're still not playing well. Then Copenhagen, another terror. Then this week, two weeks ago, oh, wow, look at that. We had this great performance against Everton. That's a good win. They hung on. They got three goals. The story goes up and down. Then they have the Galatasaray 3-3, which is really puts a damper on their Champions League game. Listen, Galatasaray away. Anyone can have a crazy game. But this Newcastle game really put a marker down where you were like, what is happening with this team? Rashford was tough. This was during our little mid uh, period there last week. It was awful. Then we go on to this Chelsea game. Oh, things are looking good. But no. If you just go by the score lines, you're having this battle of back and forth. You had Ten Hag win manager of the month along with Maguire winning player of the month. And it just wasn't reality. In what The reality is this team, this United team, is playing the same way they've played all season. They just don't have the wherewithal to get where they need to go. It's not there. It simply isn't. Each performance is really just a bit more of the same. Um, I don't see a... Aside from the Chelsea game where I think think things might have been a little bit better, these games are not ideal. They're not great performances. They're not games where I would say, oh, United are back. In fact, United are consistent. Um, United play the same way week after week. You don't know what you're going to get. You don't know how things feel. You don't know what the game is going to be like on a weekly basis. And that's what happened in this game. Bournemouth came to... um, to Old Trafford, and really, there was never a moment United was in this game. It's McTominay and Amrabat. Um, they're trying to control the midfield. Uh, they really can't get a hold of the game. I think one of the underrated things about 
this Bournemouth team is they have a, actually really quite quite good midfield. It's pretty strong with um, with Christie and Lewis Cook. They're hardworking. They're everything that um, United's McTominay and Amorbat just can't get around the field. And what you saw in this game was every time um, Bournemouth sort of got a hold of the game and they were running through the midfield, United might have been in the right position, but McTominay, Amorbat, Shaw, Maguire, they couldn't keep up. And players would just run past them because they don't have the pace or the power or the legs to keep up with them. Uh, beginning of this game was actually quite good. I thought Garnacho was good. I thought he was okay, and Anthony looked good. And there are just moments within games that United are there or thereabouts, and then they just kind of get hit in the mouth and can't really handle it. Solanke's goal was really nice. Uh, got United got played through. Um, Solanke in a front post, near post run, cuts in front of Maguire, hit the crosses, fantastic. And Solanke is the kind of striker that, you know, in some sense, United actually need. They need just a physical presence, a player who can show up, run the channels, do the hard work. And Bournemouth were able to do that. Um, and I do, and I would be frustrated if I were a United fan, frankly. It's just one of these things that they can't seem to get out of their own way. Now, the table doesn't lie, right? Like as much as we've been kidding around and and there's arguments in our in our chat about who's better, Newcastle are 10 times better than United and Man United are this and Man United are that. And I talk about underlying numbers and defensive rating this and defensive rating that. Fact is, United last season were this way. Uh, they overplayed their underlying numbers. And in fact, they're doing it again this season. If you look at XG, their negative XG after this, uh, sorry, their negative goal difference after this game. And they're in the top 10. They're the only team that's anywhere near like this. It's it's actually, it's actually surprising at how United are doing this. I mean, let's look, let's look who's around them. They're at minus three. The next team, Spurs are plus 10. Behind them is, is Newcastle at minus as plus 12. Brighton is plus five. So there are teams, they, they are, way overperforming their underlying numbers. And you can see it here. They can't score. They're having the same problem. Their defense is in line with their teams around them. The issue is, look at the teams around them. 35, 36, 33, 35, 38, 33, 18. 18 goals scored. The issue for United, we talk about the defense being the shambles, and this, everything is connected. They can't get a hold of the ball, so they have to play a sort of long ball style, and their players who are on, who are strikers aren't getting enough service, so they spend a lot of time defending, and they, as a unit, are a decent defensive group uh, in a way. They, they do stick together in terms of that part of the team, but as a unit, their weakest link is their weakness. They haven't had a midfield for years. Uh, Scott McTominay, bless him for the goals he scores, but the idea that you can build up with Scott McTominay in central midfield is laughable. He can't seem, or no one has taught him, to take a ball on a half turn. He can't seem to get the ball from defense and turn and play the ball out wide. He seems to play it straight back to where it came from, which slows everything down, lets defenses set. So from an offensive perspective, from a transition perspective, he can't take it and move it where it needs to go. Um, United have been better with Shaw, but they're really just struggling to build up and score goals. So a lot of the things that Ten Hag is trying to put into place don't make sense. So you have this ball-playing uh, goalkeeper 
who doesn't have midfielders to play the ball to. Uh, you have uh, you have a center back who can play the ball, but he can't run. He can't defend the spaces he needs to do to play a high line and press. So there's just a lot of disjointed thinking within the team, a lot of parts that don't make sense, a lot of illogical decisions around Martial. And I know Ten Hag's trying to do the right thing. I gave him a lot of credit during the season last season that he put this team together. But I just think fundamentally they're not joined as a group in the locker room, as a group, uh, as a team. They just seem to always be a little disconnected from each other and things seem or feel from the outside. Listen, we don't know anything about the locker room. We don't know how it's connected. The way that I always talk about this is think about any time you've ever had a job and there's transition, a new boss, uh, uh, you hear about layoffs. When that feeling is in the air at a workplace, let's not let's leave the football aside because that's what United's in, right? They have a bad owner who's an absentee um, and their their structure is all wrong. When you work at a place that's like that, you're stressed out. You can't think just about work. You get very about covering your own ass, about doing your own job. You don't want to hang out with your coworkers after work and complain. You don't want to do any of those things. So I can imagine that inside Man United going to work, just as a workplace drama, it sucks. You have one guy's trying to pull the team in the right direction in Ten Hag. You have some players trying to pull the team in the right direction. And then you don't understand. You get mad at your boss. You, you're not seeing the results. All the things you think make sense aren't making sense. And so the team just sort of sinks and hurts and doesn't function the way you want it to. And it's frustrating. And you get sad. And you get mad. And going to work is terrible. I would imagine going to work at Man United is awful right now. It doesn't feel good. We can talk about players and whatever and all this stuff. I'm not going to talk about that. I kind of want to think about it in terms of this two-week period. Going to work at United sucks. Now they have to play Bayern. They have to try and find a way to beat the mighty Bayern Munich (laughs) on Tuesday at home. This is going to be a seminal moment for them. They have to show up. Bayern are coming in wounded. And then they have Liverpool. Um, two really bad performances here. And I think they could be, I think I don't think Ten Hag will get fired, but they're in trouble. Their easy part of their schedule is kind of gone now. Look at this. Liverpool, wounded West Ham away. Uh, Aston Villa at home. New, uh, Nottingham Forest away. Spurs. I mean, these are, these are, things are going to get much, much more difficult for United until this Luton game again in February. So they could really be in trouble and we'll see where they are. Uh, we've gone through their two games. It's not working for Ten Hag. Uh, he's grasping. He's trying to find out the way he can get to where he needs to get to, and it's not working for him. Let us go to a team it is working for, the leaders. Actually, no, let's go to Arsenal uh, because Arsenal had a tough week. Um, they had a tough game at Luton. We know we just played Luton uh, City where they came back. And I really thought that Luton was going to pull this out. This is their two week stretch. And then that weakness again showed in the Villa game. Now, this Villa match was a good performance by Arsenal ultimately, but their finishing was poor. Five shots on target, 
Uh, it seems that Gabriel Jesus' disease is spreading to the rest of the team. Uh, in this case, Odegaard just had a couple of really, really good chances in the 18-yard box. Couldn't put them in. Saka had one early on the volley. A tougher, a tougher job. They're having problems with creativity. And I think the issue for them is really that um, Declan Rice is not the passer or creative player that Partey was. And so everyone is looking for a everyone is looking for that fluid attack that they had with Shaka and Partey, but I don't think that's going to be there because Rice is a different player. What you've gained in Rice is a much more active runner, a healthy player who fills in gaps, who stops breaks. So the defense has improved tremendously, but he has slowed down the attack. I think it feels more like, um, it feels a bit, let's see. Oh, we have a comment. Let's see. <laughs> uh, Jordy Dread TV. Hey, thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. We need you. Thank you, friend. Uh, appreciate your time. Give me the, the, what the, the, the thumbs up. Um, yeah, feel free to on YouTube comment chat. I will read you on the air. I will share you on the air. Uh, this is a, this is a YouTube channel. Please find Jordy Dread TV and subscribe. I'm sure he's got good things to say about his beloved uh, beloved Newcastle United, who we'll, we, we will get to because they had a tough week as well. Um, but Arsenal, you know, st are still finding their stride. You know, we give them credit for the Luton game where Rice comes in at the end, header. He, he, he is an embodiment. He is a captain. He does show spirit. He does lead them. He is limited in an offensive capacity versus someone like uh, Partey and Shaka. We know Havertz, they've tr he's still been trying, to, Arteta's still trying to find that right mix on that side with Havertz. Trossard has played there. Martinelli's not quite firing because he doesn't have his partner with him. So, uh, and Jesus now, when he, whenever he doesn't score, I still, he's not a 20-25 goal scorer. He's a 15-20 goal scorer. But from that front three, they need to have 20... They need 35 goals from that group, right? With with Odegaard, they need about they need 45 goals from this four here, and then the rest of them they have to find out where they're going to come from from other things um, uh, in the league. I'm saying, but it is still a really good team. Arsenal they got to be kicking themselves after that Villa loss, but we'll get to Villa after this because they're having the best week ever. Um, they're just not. It, there's no shame in losing to Aston Villa 1-0, is what I'm saying. Uh, Villa stepped in. Villa got tight. Villa fought for every shot. They made it hard. Uh, Watkins, Till I mean, this is a good group. Bailey, Kamara, the goal that Bailey set up was fantastic. Uh, McGinn just coming in from the far side, being in the box for these things. These are, these are really good teams. And I do want to stress... The Premier League is really, really good. The best coaches in the world are in this division. Any week you play, if you don't show up, you will get beat. So for Arsenal, uh, they have a good win, a heart-building win, but they had a chance to really put some space between them and the chasing pack, and they, they get a tough draw away from Villa. A draw would have been a good result for them. Uh, but Villa getting the win really, really, really steps them up in good stead. So we've talked about City. We've talked about Arsenal. Um, 
I'm going to talk about Villa first before I get to Liverpool because Aston Villa just had their best week ever. Um, two wins of just the highest quality, beating Manchester City, as I said, and Arsenal. These are two 1-0 wins that you see right here. The Villa, the City win uh, shows this is the Bailey on the break goal. 22 shots, 7 on target. A complete, utter, and 1,000% dominant performance. And then the gut check win, uh, less possession, less control, just the three shots, barely any pass percentage. A real gut check battling performance that they get. The six points against the two most favorited teams in a division. Now, we have to talk about Villa Park. There is no ground outside of Anfield right now that is louder on television. You know, there is a battle between Newcastle, St. James's Park in the Northeast, Anfield in the Northwest, and Villa Park in the Midlands. I think, I guess Nottingham Forest is kind of in the Midlands too, but the Holt end in Villa Park, when you are going and this team is battling, it is loud. And I think at home, 15 in a row, only Liverpool do shit like this. This streak of 15 wins at home in a row, not done in the black country since the 1930s, is something to behold. And we have to find, we're going to find out from Villa if these incredible performances can go on the road. Uh, I believe they have to go to Old Trafford very soon. Um, and when that's when we'll find out about Villa. Uh, when they have to go, Brentford away is a tough ground. Man United away on Boxing Day. Those will be two tough, tough grounds. But the beauty of winning these difficult games that they drew with Bournemouth is still shocking. That's how good Bournemouth are. They just beat United and then they drew with Aston Villa. The beauty of winning these two really difficult games at home is that you get them out of the way and you get a little bit softer schedule, right? Burnley and Villa... Sheffield United, Villa, you know, easier games. They get Sheffield again before they have to play Newcastle again. That allows for Villa to book those points, put them in the bag, feel where they are, and sort of get the sense of like, okay, we're ensconced in this top four battle now with United. We've we've pushed Tottenham out. We've cat we've got City while they were down. We've put a marker on them a great performance, and now we've clawed back and grabbed something from Arsenal. They have to talk about being in a title race. They are in it. If you're there, you're there, right? Like you can't say that you're not because you are. Uh, so there they are in the top four, almost halfway through the season. Uh, we're almost on week 19 where it reduces six to steal from the men and blazers. 16 38ths reduces to eight 19ths. <laughs> and we are getting closer to the end there. But what I really like from Villa is the consistency of performance, the spirit of the team playing together. They know they have a tactical mastermind in Emery who's a video lunatic. He really has put things through on them, and you know how they're going to play. You know how Villa are going to play. They have a clear identity. Now, they have not suffered injuries the way Spurs have. They have not suffered injuries the way United have. Um, they didn't, you know, they probably haven't had as many. 
uh, different stressful games in terms of playing these Champions League games away there in the Conference League. So there's caveats to why these teams are. And granted, I don't think anyone thinks that Aston Villa can win the title right now. But I think as they get further along, they can start to think, why not us? Liverpool is rebuilding their midfield. Arsenal still has to overcome and do it. Are they really ready? City are in a hangover uh, in the epic Jack Grealish proportions after winning the treble. Spurs are not ready, and United are definitely not ready. So why not Aston Villa? Only one team, only two teams can really start to put their hand on the title and say we're there. Or three can say that we're there. We know Liverpool have the mentality in the club, but they have a rebuilt midfield with uh, Silbazai and um, and Endo and and McAllister and Young Elliot. So they're in a different phase. You know, it's still Salah, but they're they're rebuilding. They still have Van Dijk. They're they're they one part of their spine has been removed, and they have putting in a new spine. So they're working on that. And so Liverpool are a bit of a work in progress. And we'll get to them after Villa. But why not Villa? Why not? If they don't get injured, they have a really good striker in Watkins. They have a really strong number 10 in Diaby. They've got a great midfielder in Douglas Louise that Arsenal was trying to grab. And I can see why. And they have a strong defense in Konza. And um, and and I, I forget his... They have another... Uh, Douglas... Uh, not Douglas Louise. Let me, let me just make... Let me, let me make sure I give all the credit to Villa that they deserve and make sure that their players know that I know who they are. <laughs> uh, let's just call out that lineup. Diego Carlos, Pal Torres in defense. Sorry, Conza was on the wing. Uh, they've replaced Conza and um, and Mings. Gone to a three. Dinya is really a winger. So strong defense, good in attack, know how to play have an identity, have not had their difficult patch yet, I'd say. So we don't know about Villa yet. How do they handle a loss? How do they handle two losses? They had that early loss, and how, and where do they go from there? So that's them. Let us chat about the great and powerful Liverpool, who did have a good week. Difficult games, games that you would have thought they played better, uh, but they got through them. I think we talked a little bit about Fulham. That was a, a tricky game where they had to come back and win. Uh, Sheffield United. Scored late, Van Dyke one goal early, but you'd expect them to do better against um, Sheffield United. Actually, this is a good performance. Let me not crack on them for that. But they're beating the game, the teams they're supposed to, right? Uh, they've now um, Liverpool are, you know, taking out Crystal Palace and 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 Sheffield United in their in their two match week games. This one is a little bit, a lot of VAR. Not a great performance. Only two shots on goal. Controlled, you know, Crystal Palace are are in a, a Roy Hodgson state where they're still not quite playing the way they should. You know, a lot of Will Hughes, no Eze, no Elise. Not quite where they want to go, but they did get a gift uh, in this yet red card for Jordan Ayew. It did not look like they were going to score. Ayew... Gets a first yellow card for uh, preventing a kickoff on a restart. It's a little bit shaky. And then the second yellow is a debatable yellow. I don't want those type of calls made. There were two long VAR calls. One for the penalty where it was a step on a foot. And then there was one earlier 
that was called off. I can't quite remember. There were long. I didn't, I'm glad I didn't watch this game. I just watched the highlights. Uh, but VAR calls are just brutal. Uh, Roy Hodgson really got himself fined by calling out the Premier League for how VAR is handled, what happens in every game, etc., etc., etc. Again, Matip out for the season. We still haven't seen uh, Robertson. So Van Dijk, Allison back in, save their ass. So they're pieces of Liverpool that are missing. And they are getting the wins they need to, despite playing not as great as they want to. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not fair to Liverpool to give them a hard time. But I think if I listen to our chat and I listen to our group of players, there is a little trepidation. There is a little fear. There is a little worry within Liverpool's play that against better teams, they would have a hard time. So they are in the Europa League. They play teams like Lask and Julian Saint-Gilois. This isn't to disrespect those teams, but Liverpool is a Champions League quarterfinalist at a minimum side, and they're playing sort of lower performances. I mean, they're still Salah to have his hot run. Uh, they still need to be ready when they deal with Africa. But next week, aside from this Union Saint-Gilois game, they can probably pull it off. They're going to play Liverpool. They're going to play Man United at home. And this is a game of their season. I know I want to see them put five past them. As much as I hate Liverpool, I love, love, love the schadenfreude of United getting smoked. So their week was good. And they sit top of the league after 17 games, after after match week 16. I don't think Liverpool fans are sitting there going, oh, we're going to win the league. But they have a knack of not losing. Uh, And that goes a long way. Um, they don't want to draw too many, and they know that the freight train that is Man City may get started again. I don't know, but you know, seven losses isn't going to make it. Four usually doesn't make it. We we will see what how things shake up. Co- come back to us in the in February and see where things are. But right now, Liverpool have got to feel good. They know they can win at home. They're winning these away games where they're not playing well, so they've got to feel good. They're the form team right now, right? With three in a row, uh, haven't lost in any of their last five. So they're playing, they're in good shape right now, uh, different than the other teams. And they still have the best attack in the league. I mean, God forbid Darwin Nunez start scoring as many goals as posts he hit, and all of a sudden Liverpool will be gone, done and dusted. Uh, but they're there. They're close. They're very close. Best tied, joint best defense in the division. As long as they have Allison, they'll feel in good shape we continue we continue with our bi-weekly superstar teams let's actually go to villa themselves did i already talk about villa i think i did i'd say i talked about villa <laughs> let us touch on chelsea who don't deserve to be in this top tier uh in terms of their performances but are historically uh one of the teams that we've got to discuss on a weekly basis. Let's see what's happened with Chelsea in this week. They lost to Everton badly. And prior to that, lost to United. I think at this point, if you lose to United and you're a good team, you're not a good team. Um, this Chelsea, this Brighton win looks a lot better uh, now that I think about it. But they are poor. Uh, they can't string together good performances. And this week, they just strung together two really bad performances, losing to United on Wednesday and then Everton today. Um, 
Everton are proving to be a very tough, tough side. Look at this. 9, 5, 27%, 64% accuracy. Look at You can have the ball. You can pass it around. But it doesn't mean anything if when you get hit on the break, Decore <laughs> scores on you. Uh, really powerful running, really strong Everton uh, performance in terms of pace and power and um, and and everything like that. Seven wins with less than 50% more than any other team this season. Everton are a real threat. Uh, this man right here, Dwight McNeil, is really tough. Uh, he's a hard runner. Uh, this team is taking on a Dacian quality with more talent. This Everton team was never as bad as it looked. They had bad coaching. Frank Lampard is one of the worst coaches you can see, and he was there for 18 months. So you can imagine uh, once they actually got a real coach, and Sean Dyche is a real coach, in the door, uh, Everton were were ready to go. And then the 10-point the uh, deduction Sean Dyche has grabbed a hold of and said, we are not losing. We are making this happen. And if it weren't for the 10-point deduction, let's just look about, let's look where they would be. Everton. Let's take their, their points and add 10 to them. Everton are on 13. They would be on 23. They would be right in here, in the top 10. So this is the top 10 side in the in the relegation zone. Even on goal difference, better than Man United, scoring more than Man United, a better defense than Tottenham, a better and even defense with Aston Villa. So this is a team that is right there with the big boys in terms of their ranking, in terms of all their pieces. They've been really good at XG. They hadn't been finishing earlier on. They had to get rid of Neil Mope. <laughs> but look at that. They are on a zero goal difference. This is a top half team, right? That's what half, that's what zero bare, low single digits minus makes you a top half team. So good for Everton. Um, but Chelsea are poor. Uh, and as bad as their season has been, they're still on negative goal difference. They have their moments, but this last run of form has been poor. I expect it to stay this way. I expect them to have a hard time. They'll beat Sheffield United at home and feel good. They'll have a battle against Wolves. They'll have a battle against Crystal Palace. Uh, they have a quarterfinal matchup against a wounded uh, Newcastle. And we'll see where they can go. They're just having a hard time. It's it's up and down right now for, for Chelsea and what they do and how they finish. I think a top 10 finish for Chelsea at this point would be a really, really good season. Now. That takes us to the two matches that the great and powerful Tottenham Hotspur just played and the match they just played versus Newcastle. What a performance. I think Hinman's son terrorized Trippier. Richarlison got two scrappy goals. Udogi started it off. And this is a dominant performance. 12 shots on target. This was poor from, uh, from Newcastle. They could not match the strength and energy of new, of Spurs. They could not match it at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which is becoming a cauldron. They've got uh, Levy's wall back there. And this is what we've seen from Spurs. This is not a different performance from where they've been. This is how Spurs have played. 
even in these losses. Look at this. Even in this loss, 23 shots, seven on target. They could have won that game. Um, uh, City, 3-3. 17, oh, sorry. This was a this was a poor. Uh, eight shots on target, uh, but they did score them. They were more on the break. Let's see this loss to Wolves. Oh, I was wrong. I guess they've been playing badly. I thought they had been playing well. So so I'm wrong. But uh, they did have a good performance uh, in general. Uh, this I think this Chelsea game, was this the bonkers one where they got guys sent off? No, they kept playing. Anyway, um, I guess I'm losing some credibility as I talk about these games where I thought that Spurs were playing well, but they weren't. But anyway, uh, the, the, the the West Ham game and now this Newcastle game, they, they were there. They were playing better. They were getting there. So um, when you put on 23 shots, 7-12 on target, that's a battering. That's a complete and utter dominant performance, and they deserve these four goals. Uh, Newcastle cannot complain. They were beaten. As much as Newcastle beat United a couple weeks ago, this was a beating by Tottenham, and their two games in this period um, they can feel good about. You know, uh, the West Ham loss on Thursday was tough, but they faded late. Uh, but again, really good performance. A lot of possession, a lot of shots. And then this Newcastle performance is a continuation of that. I think um, Spurs fans have to sort of temper where they are. I think that ultimately they believe in the Postacoglu experience. Yes, they're in fifth, but this is good. They're plus 10 in fifth with a new manager. This is about where Spurs are. This is, and so much better without the darkness of Conte. Uh, I do want to talk about one player. Hin Min Sun is a Premier League legend. He is a consistent 20 goals and assists per season that, per season for the last 10 years. He was riding side saddle to the great and powerful Harry Kane, but now that he's on his own, he's getting the plaudits that he should. I think this is kind of like a Benzema and Ronaldo thing where once he was free of all the other players. Benzema was really able to show what an important player he was for Real. I think Son is really showing what an important player he is for Spurs. It's he who's going to go down as the legend. It's him who's going to stay. It's him who may end up with a trophy and may end up being their greatest captain. Um, I know Kane is is who he is, but I, I really love Son's personality. He takes the badge seriously. He talks about talking to the boys. His English is good enough. Uh, he loves the club. He didn't. It wasn't three seasons of him talking about leaving. And I think that um, Son just embodies everything good about football. He's just an all-time great. I love him. As a City fan, I have nothing but respect for him. And he's the player around the league that I would have loved to have been on City. Uh, but he's not as great a player sitting deep so he wouldn't be as good. I I always knew why he wouldn't be a city player uh because you know he's more of a uh, of a player who's better on the break, runs faster with the ball than players without the ball. Like he killed Trippier today uh and I really loved what happened with Spurs. They were fantastic today. They still can't keep a clean sheet. They did give up a goal to Joe Linton, but uh they were fantastic today and I really love everything about where Spurs is going and where they are. Uh, and that takes us to their opponent today that I think um, they can be worried uh, at this point. 
two back-to-back losses uh, against Everton and against Spurs. It's difficult to see how how Newcastle will be able to pull themselves together. They just don't have players. This group, look, it's not so much about who they're playing. These guys are playing every minute of every game now. Trippier, Lascelles, Char, Char and Lascelles should not be playing. They're both hurt. Uh, Miley's 18 years old. Trippier ran out of gas. Dubravka is not nearly the player Pope is. Libermento shouldn't be in there. Byrne should be there. So a lot of the stuff is losing. They did get help from Longstaff and Callum Wilson coming back, but they're playing extra goalkeepers. Paul Dummett, I mean, come on. Youngsters, Gillespie, Murphy, Loris Karius. Why is Loris Karius on the bench? <laughs> uh, just not good enough. Um, and they're they're just suffering from playing that single style of play that um, they can't get control of games. They're not scoring right now. And Newcastle are hurting. Uh, they need a win against Milan to sort of try and get them going. It feels like that PSG game really took a lot out of them, even though they dominated United uh, the following week. But these two losses are really, really bad. Two, three goal losses against, you know, albeit strong opposition in Spurs and Everton, but teams that if you're Newcastle and you want to do something this season and finish in a top four, even if it's away from home, you can't only score one goal. And I think the trouble for uh, Newcastle is depth and they need their player or two short. Um, they can't control games. I'm sure they would have loved to see Tonali in the midfield at this point, uh, but he's he's gone. Longstaff is, it's nice that they have Jordies in the side, but these guys are not talent. They have a good team. They have good spirit, but the quality of Newcastle is just not there. It can't, all the creativity can't just come from Trippier because he has games like this where he can't defend and create everything for the side. Uh, Isak didn't do enough. Almiron and 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 Anthony uh, just could not get enough going on their side. What's his name? <laughs> Anthony Gordon. So they just couldn't get it in behind Spurs today uh, because they couldn't get control of the midfield. And when you don't have control of the midfield, then you can't exploit the, exploit the space in behind. They're just getting found out in a sense. And this week really hurt them. And now they have to try and deal with a Champions League game. And I'm worried for them, frankly. Um, let us go through the table. Uh, I feel like I've got about 15 minutes to go. Let's talk about the rest of our friends in the division and what they got up to this week. We covered the top eight pretty well. Uh, let's talk about the great and powerful Brighton. Their two games this week, a draw versus Burnley is not good enough. The win against Brentford looks good, but then to have a draw against Burnley at home is just unbelievable. Just really, really poor on their part. Uh, another dominant performance where they can't finish anything. 29 shots, 11 on target, not getting it done. Matoma hit the bar twice. Again, a dominant performance, but you have to finish chances. If you don't finish chances, you're not going to get your just rewards. My top four guess for uh, Brighton is not there. Uh, they have more work to do. West Ham, good win against Spurs, but completely annihilated today by the resurgent West Ham. Not enough here to write home about. Still playing on the counter against Fulham. Come on, dude. You got to do better. I know 
that um, Areola's not there. I could see um, Fabianski. Maybe he shouldn't be a keeper anymore. Just giving up five goals is really bad stuff from West Ham. But it was bound to happen, but they are now in the minus. Fulham, on a resurgence, winning three of their last four. All of a sudden, they can't stop scoring goals. Five goals against Forrest. Five goals against West Ham. What? What's happening? Uh, uh, Jimenez on fire. Iwobi on fire. I really, really love Iwobi. I've always liked him. When he was at Everton, he was really, really good. I don't know why they sold him. I guess they needed the money. But Jimenez with three goals in his last two. Oh, the ghost of Tosin Arabayo. A worldie from uh, Harry Wilson, who's good for about a worldie a week. And the ever-young Villian scoring as well. Uh, Good stuff from Fulham. Um, They really, really, really need to hold on to Paulinha. He's the player that makes this team go. Uh, You can see here Brentford struggling of late. Uh, They can't get Tony back soon enough. They really need Ivan Tony to come back. Losing to Sheffield on a goal by City graduate McAtee and then losing to Brentford uh, to Brighton in the week. No shame in losing to Brighton, but you can't lose to uh, Sheffield United. I don't care. This is ugly. This is just a terrible game and a terrible result for Brentford. They really need their goal-scoring guys back. I'm sure there's injuries. I'm sure there's other problems, but can't happen. We talked about the great and powerful Chelsea. Wolves get a win and a draw in their travels. Um, The win against Burnley looks good. The draw against Forest not as good. Cunha scoring goals, um, but not so much. Uh, A lot of control in this game, but you want more from Wolves. You expect to beat a team like Forest. They're still fine. Gary O'Neill's my favorite crap manager. Uh, I love him. I can't get enough. Bournemouth, the revival. Four out of five, unbeaten in five. Where did this come from? They are on the road. They are the team of the weekend, defeating the great and once powerful Man United, putting three, their greatest win in their franchise, the greatest win in in club history. Solanke on fire, already has 10 goals. I think, is he on 10? He's close. Billing with an incredible header, and then Sensi catching one late. Uh, A dominant performance, and Iriola taking this team and showing what can be done with good players. They're really fast on a break. This draw versus Villa looks incredible now, and they defeated Crystal Palace. Two clean sheets in a row away from home. What? What is going on? They have a win versus Newcastle. So good wins. That Newcastle win looks a lot better after they got killed by City, and we thought Iriola would get fired. He turned this team around. Incredible stuff by them. Good, good players all around the pitch. I particularly like uh, their front players. Uh, If I want to go to their last lineup, really pacey group. Uh, And they get Luton next. They could get another win. I mean, Luton is good, but they're not world beaters. This group, Tavernier, Solanke, Semenyo, very, very strong. Really strong. And then Christie and Cook are strong, along with Billing. Just a really good, strong side that Areola has got playing good on the counter a lot of pace a lot of power a team that i don't want to play palace in trouble look at that oof um uncle roy uh they've had injuries but two uh, 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 two losses in the week uh liverpool they played really well bournemouth less so they need elise and eze i don't know when eze will be back 
they're not gonna they they could lose their next three. If they lose their next three, they'll probably sack Uncle Roy. Um I like this team. These these teams that are sort of fledgling fighting teams, they can't really stand to lose their best players. Uh Forrest stopped the rot with a draw. Uh I like Steve Cooper, but I mean 28 goals against is really, really poor. Uh no Iwoni again. This, he did make a lot of changes in this game, but just the two shots on target. Uh, still playing. You know, Gibbs White has not really put himself into these games yet. I worry for him. Lupategi is in the wings, they say. Uh, so a little bit of a worry for the great and powerful uh, Forrest. Everton, we talked about three, four out of their last five. This is the best team out of the relegation zone you'll ever see. Luton. They don't deserve these losses, taking teams to the wire. Let's look at these Luton games. Almost beat City. We're up in the second half. Almost beat uh, Arsenal, 4-3. Took, went to war with them. Almost beat Palace. Uh, all, drew with Liverpool. They've played well, especially at home. Uh, they did beat Palace, excuse me. Especially at home, they're really, really good. They just don't have the talent. Just want to keep an eye on everyone for Luton Town. Ross, Barkley is a boss. Uh, don't sleep on him. Uh, if I were him, I'd try and get a move while my stock was back up. Um, but no. Uh, Burnley with the one draw and a loss and Sheffield United getting their first win under Chris Wilder from McAtee. An incredible goal. Worth a second watch. McAtee, a great player uh, on this team. Been on loan for two seasons. Really important for him uh, to get his shots McAtee, keep an eye on him. James McAtee, uh, a really good young player, 21 years old, uh, playing in the midfield on the wing for for Sheffield United. If they're going to win, it's going to be because of him. He is a fantastic, fantastic player. So keep an eye on that. 54 minutes by yourself. Can you do that? That's hard. Uh, I do want to touch on the Champions League because it does come back this week. Before we go, let us get some Champions League juice for some of these players. Uh, oh, wait, sorry, Liverpool is not in the Champions League. Uh, let's get let's do some Champions League lookup really quickly. Get to watch me use a browser on a on a on a uh, on a computer which is always really exciting but here's where the champions league is uh let's just go through the groups uh really quickly uh united in a must win against bayern i don't see it happening they'll probably drop out and stay where they are arsenal free and clear can't lose this group uh they'll probably just be on the beach they're in good shape real madrid and napoli are through can't see braga or anyone else sociedad and inter They are both through, so really no deep games to play in. This is where we have a big, big chance here. Newcastle have to win this game and hope that PSG don't get a result uh, against against Dortmund. It's a lot of hoping (laughs) uh, there. City are through. They don't have a problem. They'll they'll, they'll rest everyone against young boys. Barca also uh, in good shape, but not playing well. I'll just go through the... The list here, uh, the big games here. Uh, again, this Galatasaray Bayern on Tuesday, big big games um, here, and then PSG Dortmund 
Uh, all eyes will be on this one. If PSG lose and Newcastle win, PSG are out and Newcastle will be in. Uh, the, a draw, I think, also helps Newcastle. But this is the real, this Wednesday, Dortmund, PSG, Newcastle, Milan group is really where it's at for the Champions League. Okay, going to wrap it up. That was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast with your host, Laurent Cortines. We are the Premier League wing of the Top Football Club YouTube channel, presented exclusively by the Football Tonight podcast, which Chris and others will be on tomorrow. We record on Sundays, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Please like, share, and subscribe. We need you. We love you. Thank you, everybody, and good night.